get into the actual sermon, I'd just like to reinforce what Lou was saying earlier. And I don't know if you noticed, but with a lot of the early songs we were singing, the imagery was of things like seas, oceans, deep, water, and so on. And I think often we see that sort of use in the Bible, and actually when we just think of imagery generally, if we go, the sea often represents situations which we can't control. I don't know if you've ever been out in a boat in a storm. Most of the times I've been on a ferry, it's been fairly calm. But once, I think Lynn and I were going from Folkestone to Boulogne, actually it was when we were returning, on the hydrofoil. And there was a gale coming up the English Channel. And the waves were breaking over the top of the boat. Which was quite an interesting experience. Uh, not everybody enjoyed it. Much to my surprise, I wasn't actually too bothered because I would tend to think I'd get seasick or whatever. But the point is, it's out of our control. It's too big for us to control. Now, I think there's two elements to it. One is, sometimes we can be in situations which seem to be too big to control. And I think in those situations, we need to remember that God's with us. And he'll see us through. But there's also the element that God is too big for us to control as well. So brothers and sisters, sometimes we just have to accept the situation we're in and uh, recognise that God is going to use it in some way, even though in the situation we can't see what's happening. Right, so we're continuing in our Kingdom Come series, make sure I get the right title. So let's go to the basic passage, Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So the part we've come to today is at the end of verse 2, to comfort all who mourn, which is a sign of of the coming kingdom. Usually when I speak, I often try and just stick to one part of scripture and expound on that. But today what I want to do is actually look at this topic across the Bible from Genesis through to Revelation. But I think before we do that, I think we have to deal with a couple of cultural issues which get in our way when we look at mourning. 
I think there are two issues. One, we're British, and two, we're Christians. Right, what do I mean? Before 1914, there were conventions in this country as to how you mourned when somebody died. What you did, how long you did it for, which depended on your level of connectiveness to the dead person. You know, we saw some elements of that still followed on when the Queen died last year. However, by 1916, those conventions seem to have fallen into disuse. Because how could you clearly mourn for a dead relative when at a time of mass mobilisation, many had no body to bury? And if their loved one was missing in action, wouldn't even know whether they were dead or not, so whether they should mourn or not. And so it became seen to be unfair for you to be able to mourn if you had the opportunity, but others not. And the problem for us as British people is the conventions went and nothing replaced them. So therefore, we don't have a specific model of what is expected of us when you mourn. Possibly some things are coming in, I think with the death of Princess Diana, I think that was reinforced some modern trends, which we can see possibly going on. But in a sense, we're left to deal with it ourselves in our own way. There isn't a accepted way of doing it. And I think the other issue we need to deal with is as Christians, we know with Paul that to, to die is gain. So why should we mourn when death is better for a Christian? And does it mean if we mourn when somebody dies, that somehow we don't really believe what we say we believe. So there's that issue which can come in as well. But I hope as I go through looking at things, we can get a bit of a biblical perspective on this. There's also the question of what mourning means. A dictionary definition would suggest grief, deep sorrow, a sense of loss. And when you look it up in the Bible, often you, if you look up the word mourning, it's often linked with weeping. So in looking at this, you might find that the verses I use might refer to mourning, might refer to weeping, might refer to grief. But there's all the same sort of thing. Now, when... Sam asked me if I would do the preach this today at the beginning of the week. I had an idea of what I could find in the Bible to speak on. The idea, you know, of God mourning for the fact that his people were not uh, as he wanted them to be. But actually, when I actually looked it up, I couldn't find any verses which fitted what I wanted to say. 
So therefore, I've had to change what I wanted to say to fit with what the Bible says, which is always what we need to do, even if it's not necessarily what we want to do. But I did find two references to God mourning. The first is in Isaiah chapter 16, so back a few pages from my start, and verse 9. And this is a prophecy which starts at the beginning of verse 15 of Isaiah, an oracle concerning Moab, and spoken in the voice of God, if you like. And verse 9 says, Therefore I weep with the weeping of Jazzer, for the vine of Sibma. I drench you with my tears, O Heshbon and Eliah, for over your summer fruits and your harvest the shout has ceased. And that is about the only reference I could find to God weeping mourning. Actually, that's not quite true, because it's also, you can also find it in Jeremiah 48, verse 32. Virtually identical words in two different prophets. So the fact it's gone into the Bible in two places possibly means it's significant, but it does seem a bit odd to us. So I had to do a little bit of searching around. Right, Moab. Moab were the people descended from Lot. So the people, not Abraham, but his uncle? Nephew. Uh, nephew. Right, so a relative, but they weren't the people of Israel. They were, the people of Israel were told to have nothing to do with them. They lived sort of on, towards the edge of the desert area. And apparently Jazer was sort of towards the desert where you've got uh, pastures. And, but Sibma nearby, you had vines and it was known for its fruit and so on. And God is mourning because there's the invasion coming of the Babylonians. I think it is, or the Assyrians. <laughs> I haven't double checked which one, so I'll cover my uh, bases on that. But invaders are coming and they're going to be destroyed. And God weeps over them. Not over his own people, but over those who, who were rejected. Also, if we go, I said I'd start in Genesis. If we go back to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 6. This is in the time before Noah. And we're told, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So again, before his chosen people existed, God is grieving over the fact that mankind is not living his way and is sinful and all the other bits you read in the early bits of Genesis. So we do know that God grieves, but he grieves for the people we might not think. 
you know, it's almost the fact that the references you do get to it in the Bible are not over his own people, show that his, his grief for what mankind does is not limited to just a few special people. So, I think an important bit for us to remember in an awful lot of situations, we are made in God's image. Man and woman is made in the image of God. That doesn't just mean the physicality, however that might work out, but in some sense, the emotions we have, the way our brains work, when they're working in there as they should do, they are reflecting something of God. So when the fact that we mourn is reflecting in us something which God does. So when we mourn loss of some kind, whether it is the death of a loved one, whether it's mourning for something which might have been but hasn't, whether it's a case of a stillbirth, whether there's a baby which dies at birth, and therefore you haven't had that necessarily physical interaction. And there was something which could have been, but now isn't. Or whether it's someone you love who rejects either God's ways or just goes off haywire and you mourn for the fact that things aren't as they should be, or even as you'd want them to be. Sometimes when things aren't as we want them to be, it's not we're the issue rather than the other person, but sometimes it isn't. And there are things where we grieve over situations. And that, when it's done in the right way, is reflecting how God felt about us. So it helps us understand that a bit more. But let's move on to 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4. Because it talks here about one of the signs, well, in the Isaiah passage it talks about one of the signs of the kingdom of God is that God will comfort those who mourn. So, what does the New Testament tell us about that? So, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, and verse 13. This is Paul talking to the Christians at Thessalonica. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So when we grieve, 
And when we mourn, we're not doing it as people who have no hope. Because we, are, we know that Jesus has brought the way for us to come, have our sins forgiven, to be reconciled to God and to come into his presence. So therefore, we don't mourn as those where it's not as if the loss is total. When somebody dies, we experience a loss because of what we, the relationship we had with them is now broken. It's not there. But it's not, we don't mourn as people who are without hope because we know, as I said at the beginning, for us as Christians to die is gain. So the mourning is much more in terms of our relationship in many ways. The way our relationship with other people has been broken. And so that's, in a sense, what we need to deal with there. And again, Paul, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, talking about... uh, might help if I actually find the uh, book I've said I'm turning to. Right, here we are. Romans chapter 12 and verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Some translations will translate... uh, that mourn with those who mourn. So I think the first thing is that as a church, as a group of Christians, when somebody mourns, it's not something which is done alone. Now when people rejoice, and we always encourage people when you've got things for Thanksgiving to come and share, we rejoice with you. But also, we need the opportunity to mourn with people as well. And that's not quite so easy to handle, say, on a Sunday morning. But I think, again, what this, I think, makes important, and I think it's something we need to keep coming back to in different contexts, time and time again, with the way our culture and society is moving is the importance of being together as people. We need the physicality of being together so that we can mourn with those who mourn. And I think the danger can be that when you're in a situation when you're mourning for whatever, to cut yourself off and feel, I can't go because I'm not going to be happy and cheerful. And people expect Christians to be happy and cheerful. And I'm not there now. But it's important to be here with God's people when you're rejoicing and when you're mourning. So that we can support one another. Because 
Our bodies are important, as I've said already. We're made in God's image. And therefore, we're not just disembodied spirits which can get support any old how. God has made us as people to have relationships one with another. When we're rejoicing and when we're mourning. I think the next passage I want to turn to is one I actually read uh, in a different context when we were looking at this uh, a little while back. Luke chapter 19 and verse 41. And this is Jesus as he's coming into Jerusalem in the run-up to the crucifixion. So Luke 19, 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Again, there's two references to Jesus weeping. Sort of the well-known one when Lazarus has died and he's gone to visit Mary and Martha and they're about to go to the tomb and they're told Jesus wept. And here, where he's looking at Jerusalem, he knows what is going to happen to him in the coming week. Also, he knows what's going to happen to Jerusalem in, uh, what would it be, about about 40 years later. And again, he weeps over because of what might be for Jerusalem. So, when we mourn, we know that, again, we're not on our own in that. We're doing something which Jesus did. So, therefore, mourning is not something to be frightened of, but it is something where, ultimately, we know comfort because we know the situation we're in now is not the situation we're going to be in finally. The situation we're in now and the mourning we're in now is temporary. Doesn't mean it's not real. It is real. And different people are going to respond to it in different ways. And sometimes, I know it's happened to me, you can find things hit you when you don't expect it and when you think you dealt with it five years ago. Things can just come back and you're, you know, you're suddenly mourning again over something. And I think we just need to recognize that that is part of the, the human life we're in. Not to necessarily get overwhelmed by it, but we have to deal with it at that point and give it back to God and if need be talk about it with somebody and I think we don't need to be afraid of thinking oh I've already talked to somebody about this so many times before but and I think it is, there is an issue if you find that it's, if there's something in your life which you're mourning and it's taking things over and you're not being able to handle with it do ask for prayer and for help. 
Don't ever feel it's something you've got to handle on your own. But we are looking forward to the time when there will be no more mourning. So, as we've often said in this, and I think will be emphasised when we get to the end, we're in a situation where we see God's kingdom coming in, and God does make changes in our lives, but we haven't, don't see it all in its fullness. So here in chapter 61, where it says that God will comfort all who mourn, yes, we know that, but we don't always see all of that worked through now. But if we go back to the previous chapter, in fact, just a few verses before, chapter 60 and verse 20. And it says this. For your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. So the day is coming when we no longer rely on the sun and the moon for light, but the Lord will be our light. And then it continues, and your days of mourning shall be ended. So we can look forward to that time when the days of mourning will be finished and everything will be in the light of our Lord Jesus. And we've got that in Isaiah chapter 60, and we have something very similar at the, towards the end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. Actually, yeah. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. So this is where John is seeing the new heaven and the new earth coming down. So we mourn now because there is death now. But the day is coming when there will be no more death, there will be no more mourning. Because God's kingdom will not be as it is now, if you like, partly here, but not fully but it will be fully come. And we look forward to that day. I'll pray and then I'll hand back to Sam if he wants to take on anything else. <coughs> oh Lord, we want to thank you that we don't live with an abstract God who is some sort of philosophy. We don't live with a heartless God who just sets us rules to follow. But Lord, we thank you that you, our Heavenly Father, you mourned over the, your people all of your people you created who were living away from your standards. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, 
that on this earth you mourned with those who mourned you wept over what was to come and thank you Holy Spirit you are with us moment by moment day by day Lord we ask that you would help us in our lives to be able to comfort those who mourn and to rejoice with those who rejoice but Lord most of all we look forward to that day when you return and sickness and pain will be no more death and the need to mourn will be no more because all will be made new in your new heaven and new earth and we thank you that because of the Lord Jesus we know we can be with you in that thank you that you have given us that new life which still lived out on this old earth will meet its fullness in your new heaven and earth thank you Lord Jesus Amen